Welcome, YouTube creators, to the Tube Labs podcast, because you can't experiment enough or talk too much YouTube. The other day, I was talking with some YouTube educators about my channel, and we're throwing our data back and forth. And one of the number one things everybody said was something that I knew, but the fact is, I, I obviously wasn't listening. <laughs> and that is that the majority of the people watching my videos were my core community. They're coming from browse features. And if I wanted to get more suggested videos, especially the way things are lining up today, I need to get a higher click-through rate. And, and this is true with a number of the creators and we're all just thinking about how can we get a better click-through rate? And I said, you know, <laughs> let's talk with somebody who very well may have some of those answers because he has been focusing a lot, especially the last year that I've noticed, on thumbnails, and that is Jeremy Vest. So today on the Tube Labs podcast, we have Jeremy Vest with us. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, and I'm excited to have this conversation with you because it, it seems like thumbnails have become more and more important. Now, we, we know that they're always important, but once the whole click-through rate data started coming you know, into view for everyone, it was even more obvious. And you have really taken the reins as one of the leaders on that topic. And so I just want to really just hand it off to you. You have a list of ideas that people should pay attention to. And uh, we can share that list maybe in a link somewhere, if that's okay with you. But uh, yeah. I just want to hand it off to you. What, what, are some, what do we need to be thinking about when developing our thumbnails to get that click? So one of the, one of the ideas I have is most of the time, uh, like you said, videos are happening in the suggested videos on the right-hand side of YouTube. So one of the philosophies I have is think of your thumbnail as a stop sign. And once you stop, you can look around and see what the title's about. Mm. So think of it as like a blinking light or a way to get people to physically stop their eyes, look at the title, to see if you're worthy. So I would call this concept basically being clickable. You know, right. we need uh, thumbnails that are clickable enough that your nearest neighbor uh, thumbnail is not standing out against you. So I've made a list of basically 10 things I like to do to make sure that you have clickable thumbnails. Very good. Before we get into that, let's, let's get into a little bit about you. Um, you have quite the history. You've worked with uh, brands. You've, you're involved, obviously, very highly these days with vidIQ. Um, share a little bit about your background. Yes, yeah, so I've been in marketing for 20 years now. I'm pretty old. <laughs> and um, in about 2007, I started working heavily with online learning and e-learning, um, had a company and ended up working with now one of the OGs of YouTube, iJustine, back in mm -hmm. 2007. And I really, just because of online education, the things I was doing anyways, I really just fell into YouTube back then. And I've really made my living since about 2008 on, on YouTube um, in some way, shape, or form. My customers have billions of views, and I've been doing YouTube strategy for about 20 of the top 100 brands. And yeah, I mean, I've just been really focused in it. I'm now the director of marketing of vidIQ. Yep. And really, for the last decade or more, my focus has been teaching and helping people become better YouTube and video creators. 
Awesome. That's great. And you've done a great job. I've, I've been following you for a while. So again, Thanks. thank you for being here. So let's get into that list. Let's get into some of the things that people can take action on and really give their uh, thumbnails a good look and uh, maybe improve uh, a couple notches up the, that click-through rate scale. Yeah. One of the things a lot of people don't do is taking actual still photographs mm -hmm. when you're on your shoot, because a, you know, it's, 4K or, or a 1080p image um, or still from a video is going to not be super defined. It's going to be blurry and it's honestly going to be hard to pull a frame out of the video to make a good looking thumbnail. Another thing that happens is you're not conscious about what that thumbnail will look like. So if you just took still high quality images every time you did a video specifically for the thumbnail, you can kind of purposely think about it more and it'll probably come out a lot better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of folks that uh, follow my work through the years are, are photographers. And uh, right. so we, uh, we definitely uh, understand that value, but you're right. Um, quite often we uh, just pull whatever we can off the video or maybe put something in there that's just not relevant, but was easy to throw together. Absolutely. And the second thing is, close-up eyes so basically i call this the three e's eyes emotion and excitement mm -hmm. and eyes subconsciously are the window to the soul so eyes are very important Nonverbal communication is greater than verbal communication so things like your hands and your body gestures and your movements and your eyes subconsciously help people connect to you as a human so if the the if you have faces in your thumbnails and they're really small, people mm -hmm. won't be able to see the whites of their eyes and therefore they won't be able to connect. Mm -hmm. So you want excitement, you want energy, eyes, emotion, and you want, uh, again, being clickable, having reasons to click. Emotion's one of the biggest ways to do that. Have you seen any difference in terms of the type of emotion? I mean, happy, sad, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it has to be relevant to the video. But yeah, have you, have you I, noticed I, any difference? I really do, but it's it's like you said, it's relevant to the industry. For example, one of the people I help, um, it's a large skateboard channel, mm -hmm. and when their faces are in agony, agony, they <laughs> they do a lot better. If if a skateboarder was happy, you know, maybe he just landed a trick, but people are gonna click on things like pain. Sure, sure, <laughs> I can get that. Yeah. And you're an avid skateboarder, aren't you? I am. I'm old and still skateboard somehow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. What else we got? All right. The third is to visually tell a story with your thumbnail. So think of like a comic strip. So you have one frame to get someone interested in your story. So a lot of people just default to using a lot of text, even right. great, you know, creators like Nick Nimmin uses a lot of text and, and it does well. But I can tell you, especially in competitive niches, that the more creative you are visually and the more you're able to visually tell that story and use a lot less text, the odds of a click-through rate seem to be a lot higher. What about just like two words, two big, solid, strong words or one word that kind of maybe catches that emotional element? Would you consider that part of that story versus it just being a bunch of text? Maybe you're looking at more of it as an element that brings people in? Yeah. So even on this post we're going to share, I have just the word thumbnails. And 
through the research we've done, we found about less than 10 characters is going to be best. So if okay. you do two words, just don't make them long words and make sure they're really bold and simple. I am a big believer of text and thumbnails, but what I'm saying is in general, we use it way too much or we have way too many words. Don't have three or four or five words, have one or two. Um, and that is going to perform a lot better. Uh, zero words actually perform best from our studies of okay. 51,000 videos, okay. but less than 10 characters work second best. Okay. Okay. So yeah, def so you're definitely saying that uh, nothing, no words at all is best go for the emotion. I am. Now there are obviously always, you know, for yeah. example, Nick Nimmin's videos, he teaches YouTubers how to become better YouTubers. Yeah. And he has a lot of text and it's very specific to what people are searching for at that moment. So right. I think that does well. If you're a photographer and you have a lot of text on your photo, I think you'll have less clicks just because people want to appreciate the photo itself. Good point. So it's all relative, but in for, you know, basically I would say less text is always better. Sounds good. So uh, next you have, I, I, I have a cheat sheet here is your brand um, and being consistent that way. Are there some specific things that you think people should think about maybe above and beyond just having a logo? Yeah, I would actually, I actually want all of your thumbnails or at least 80 to 90% of your thumbnails to look almost the exact same. Mm -hmm. I recommend the background colors the same. Um, basically your text, your topography should be the exact same font every time in the same place. Um, your visual elements should be in the same place every time on the left or right hand side of the thumbnail. Essentially what you want is you want people to know you or your brand, your channel from other channels. One of the biggest mistakes, uh, we make a lot of mistakes by the way, <laughs> thumbnails, but <laughs> one of the biggest mistakes people make is every thumbnail looks completely different. So you wouldn't know it was your channel versus your competitor's channel. Right, right. So if you have this consistency in this branding, then the odds of, of your fans seeing your video, knowing it's you, and then stopping and clicking um, are a lot higher if you have a very, very similar theme every time. Right, right. Um, now that's that's a good point. I mean, I, I I've got I've done every <laughs> combination thereof, and um, I haven't found a a winning combination for me yet because I sometimes I think I've got it, you know. But then I think, okay, well, you know, you also have other elements here. You have the the topic. And you have the title and the thumbnail worked very well with those other two. And then I do a similar thing again and it didn't get the click through rate. Right. Um, so how would you approach that? You know, with, I mean, you, you've obviously, or you, this is what the conversation is about, but is there something specific in terms of the may, the way you may approach uh, the topic and title in that combination of those three? Yeah. I mean, definitely you want to create a video or a thumbnail rather for your audience. So right. if I know my audience is 13 year old skateboarders, I'm going to get a lot sillier and I'll, you know, it's going to be a lot different. So the first thing I would say is just really understand your audience mm -hmm. and what these people are accomplishing. For example, I have a thumbnail on my, on my channel that is about YouTube hashtags and I don't have my face on it. I just right. have a hashtag. And the right. reason for that is the number one result people are searching for is how to add a hashtag to YouTube or something like that. So I have the right. YouTube logo and the hashtag. 
I don't have my face. So you just have to really understand the intent of search that people are having or why they're at your video. Mm -hmm. You can do this through, you know, traffic sources. Yeah. And once you really understand why they're there, creating a thumbnail should be easier. Um, okay. Another philosophy I like to say is the hero should be what the video is about. If you are not the hero, maybe you're in the background, secondary to the mm. visual, but the hero should be what the video is about. If the video is about you, then it's obviously about your face. If the video is about cutting hair, you should be secondary to showing hair being cut. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, number five. All right, is your thumbnail more colorful, sharper, and harder than your competition? So I like to oversaturate my images by 50 or 60%. I like to mm. over sharpen them by 80 or 90%. Sure. Um, and I really just want to make sure that a big image that gets almost the size of a postage stamp is going to lose clarity. The colors are going to get muddy and it's not going to pop. So the reason we do this is everyone's shrinking, you know, their photos the same distance. Yeah. But if you, you know, double the saturation, double the sharpness, then you'll theoretically pop out from all the competitors in sharpness and color. So that's super important. Good point. Good point. All right. I guess this next one kind of fits with what I was just talking about before. You know, uh, you know, are you, does your thumbnail give a reason to click? And um, is it more intriguing than the others? I mean, that's obviously very important. I mean, if, if there's no connection there um, or if they click on something and it doesn't fit with the video, that can be bad too. Yeah, I like to say a dog can't be a cat. So, you know, <laughs> if it's a bait and switch situation um, where the thumbnail is one thing and the video is another thing, uh, that's really just not a, a good situation. So. Yeah, what, why would someone click on your thumbnail? Maybe it's a, it is a catchy text line, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the thumbnails I really like, I saw a few weeks ago was Toyota Lied. Instead of like the Toyota logo, they took the logo and made it Toyota Lied. Mm. And the reason I like that is it was kind of clickbaity, but they apparently really did lie and you know they did fulfill the promise in the title. But Toyota Lied is a very compelling reason for me to click on something if, let's say, I was in the market to buy a Toyota. Um, right. So you really do have to think creatively, both visually and with titles. Um, my favorite thumbnail of all time is by Vsauce, and it's just a plain yellow box, and the title says, this is not yellow. Right. Now, That's classic. That's great. Yeah, it's a classic example, and the reason for it is, you're looking at a yellow box. It says it's not yellow. You have to click on it. Right. So you have to be creative enough to create a situation to where there's intrigue. Uh, one thing I can say is when you don't paint a whole picture in a thumbnail and it, there's some curious question to be answered, mm. right. uh, that is when clicks can get crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and well, now going back to the text that that could be text that could help that too absolutely yeah yeah good good points um number seven kind of a more practical thing um aligning to the left yeah so you know the time code stamp is usually on the bottom right hand side right and we read left to right so yeah this might all of these things are simple but when you put them all together you know they can be really powerful so if you're gonna have text my suggestion is the top 
or bottom left. Right. And even things like logos, so they don't get cut off from the timestamp. Right, right. Um, there, there's this conversation um, that kind of go back and forth on, and, and this is leads into number eight. And of course, that's not repeating the title in your thumbnail. Uh, why right. is that? Well, again, if you're trying to give someone a reason to click, if something's clickable, if the thumbnail was just like the title, you're not like painting that story and the reason to click. Mm -hmm. So you should have either just a hard stop sign reason to look at the title after people see the thumbnail or support the title and not repeat the title. And so that again, you're just giving more people reasons to click. And if you paint the entire story, then maybe people won't click. Yeah, good, good, good point. You know, number nine is something that you and I had a quick exchange on uh, maybe a week or two ago, um, which was uh, through through Facebook um, was, you know, testing often and looking at the click through rate, which is something I'm always staring at and wondering why. <laughs> yeah. you know, why, why? But, you know, I, I had asked you, you know, obviously it depends on the industry, but I had asked you what, what, what did you consider um, a good click-through rate in terms of when would you switch a thumbnail out? And, you know, so I kind of want to pose that to you. What, what do you consider a successful click-through rate for the most part? Obviously the big old asterisk is right there next to that question, yeah. but you know, at least I give somebody a frame of reference. Yeah, I mean, I would say the kind of industry standard is five or between four and six is probably a decent click through rate, four percent mm -hmm. to six percent. Mm -hmm. However, <laughs> you know, you could have a 10 percent, let's say you're a Fortnite gamer, you could have yeah. a 10 percent click through rate and still do bad because the competition is so great and the thumbnails are so phenomenal. And that's um, the key there. I mean, that's yeah. the key. It's the competition, you know. Exactly every time. So if you, you could have a 20% and if everybody's at 30, too bad. So, and yeah. that's why I did this 10 step process because you know, there are a lot of this is like really deep psychological reasons people are going to click or not click or have a reason to click. So if you put all of these 10 steps together, um, I really, you know, I think they answer all the questions. So right. I think that's really, instead of just giving you a Photoshop template, I wanted you to think about it because that's really where the heart um, and soul of, of how hard making thumbnails lays. Sure, sure. So click-through rate, you know, four to 6%. I often get click-through rates from 10 to 20% mm -hmm. on videos that I do. Nice. Um, we took vidIQ about 15 months ago from about 100,000 subscribers to 400,000 subscribers. We went from a 2.7 click-through rate to where last month it was 9.7% for the whole wow. channel. Wow. So... You know, that's, we, we grew 18 million views in like 18 months. Um, and thumbnails were the number one reason. Number one reason. Did everybody hear that? <laughs> number <laughs> one reason. And, and honestly, I, that, that's the conversation um, that I have with a lot of YouTube educators. Uh, you know, you have to get people to click on it. And I've noticed even, you know, they say, well, then you got to keep them. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. But I have noticed that that need for the longer retention um, isn't there necessarily if you're getting the high clicks. Um, I mean, yes, I, I have because, you know, a lot of us have this, the, the, our videos, you know, we, we get them in, um, you know, the click through rates four, six percent. And, and then, uh, you know, you, over half the people make it all the way through the video and it can be a eight, 10 
um, minute video and they're still making it all the way through and you're like, wow, why isn't, you know, why? And the reality is because not enough people are clicking on it. Um, right. And that click through rate obviously needs to be higher. Now, when you do that, obviously, you know, that retention is going to go down because you're, you know, there are a lot of people are clicking, but don't really care. <laughs> yeah. And that, that's a big, I think, misunderstanding that a lot of people don't understand how click through rate. And Daryl says this best. He says, yeah. always compete against yourself. Yes. Um, so if you have a 2% click-through rate next month, try to get a 3% click-through rate and don't worry about anyone else. Right. The truth is click-through rate is weird. Uh, every channel is different. And the, the, the biggest thing people don't understand about click-through rate is really relative to how people come to your channel. The King of Random last year sent uh, people to a video that I created and they have 10 million subscribers. Mm -hmm. So I didn't care it had a 0.05% click-through rate. <laughs> right. Right? Right. Who cares? Because a channel with 10 million subs, you know, shared my content. So yes. don't get stuck, you know, see the forest through the trees. Yeah. Look at the source of your click-through rate. And I can tell you that search is going to be different than suggested, than different from browser features. So if you really want to get nerdy, always look at the sources of your click-through rates to really understand how people are coming into your videos. Yeah. Yeah. And you speak of Daryl. I mean, Daryl was the, the main person that kind of said to me, Hey, great. You know, a bunch of people from browse, but <laughs> you got to get that click-through rate up to actually get into suggested. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. thank you, Daryl. Thank you. <laughs> but he's right. The guy knows what he's talking about. So uh, yeah. Hey, uh, number 10. All right. So I recommend about, 10 to 20% of the time, you need to get weird. Brian G. Johnson does a phenomenal job with mm -hmm. this. And basically, you, you have this template and you know, you're improving your click-through rate and you have consistency. But at the same time, also 10 or 20% of the time, get weird to see if you can set new heights for yourself. If you're not testing and learning, how in the world are your thumbnails going to get better? So, yeah. you know, oh, I always say this, break every rule I have if it's creative enough, you know, creativity breaks all rules. Yeah. So, you know, if Brian G. Johnson puts just a red box with one word in it or a yellow and red box together, he's looking at other channels uh, specifically to see what they're winning most on. He takes cues from that and he goes tests new things. So if you're not yeah. testing, you're kind of dying on YouTube in my opinion. So I would sure. always be getting weird and testing. You can see this on the vidIQ channel. You can go to the videos tab and you can just see most of the time we've got a blue background with the YouTube button and right. then we get weird often. <laughs> um, and some of those real weird videos are the ones over a million views. Yeah, right. So, so that, that brings up a good, you know, question. How, how often should you get weird like that? I mean, for example, I, I just, in a, in a few moments ago said, look, I, I had a winner and then I did it again. Well, was right. that a mistake? Should I let that winner win sit on its own and go back to the standard and just have that one pop out once in a while? Is that part of the um, approach you should take? Or should you take that new winning look and do the next one the same way? Yeah, I'm a big believer that you should always double down on your success. Once YouTube deems you successful of some topic, the odds of you ranking for that topic again are extremely high. Mm -hmm. So I would always say, you know, the whole vidIQ philosophy is to double down on your success, whether that's thumbnails or anything. 
I yeah. also am probably the only person in this industry that do not does not believe in multivariate testing for specific thumbnails. Mm. What I believe in is test a theme across okay. your channel and every week, you know, get that click through rate up. Because if you think about it, first off, if you're swapping out thumbnails, you know, velocity, how fast people watch your videos, views per hour is yeah. super important. So right. none of the software works very good. It, mm. um, honestly, it's just not, it, it's, it's not super reliant information because of velocity. Yeah. And I would just say, Hey, just don't worry about each thumbnail. Just make your whole YouTube channel better and, and you, and test that theme and improve that theme, you know, every single week. So, um, you, would you, so would you take a, maybe a series of d videos, like maybe if eight that have a similar theme and change those thumbnails as a group? Is that what you're saying? Or are you? I mean, uh, for the most part, I'm a believer of always move forward, not backwards gotcha. on YouTube. You. Okay. Now I you. you can, but instead of a lot of people think because they have, a, let's say I have 20 videos on my YouTube channel and mm -hmm. I'm a business. A lot of people kind of think, you know, looking backwards, making sure those are optimized. I actually believe for the time it would take you to change the thumbnail and title, you could have had half a script done for another video. Right, the sure. reason I care about this is velocity. Yeah. So your, your videos have a shelf life based on if people watch it, if they click, you know, what the click through rate is, what the watch time is. And the truth is if you had a dud, reviving that based on philosophy and how the you know ai and everything works on youtube today um, i would just say that the odds of that video reviving are are very minimal mm, good point good point yeah what now how about a video that has maybe a hint of life after say you know the first 72 hours first week and it's still adding a few more views but not you know, you just have a feeling that maybe you could do a little bit better on that click-through rate. Would you recommend maybe targeting that one? Or Absolutely, yeah. So active videos, you know, videos sub a week old where I'm constantly tinkering with. Okay. You might yeah. see five, you know, thumbnails on a video. If if I see that my average views uh, are, it's lower or higher, then mm -hmm. I'll have a direction and say, okay, what's going on here with this thumbnail? What about the headline? Would you touch the headline? Um, you know, back in the day, if you changed uh, a title, yeah, basically you're going to kill that video, <laughs> <laughs> but, but now I've done a lot of testing on this and that does not seem to be the case okay. unless you change the title to something that the video is not about. Right. Um, right. and then YouTube may actually think you're spamming. Got it. So is, if you just make gradual changes to titles, you should be fine. I would not change a lot of videos titles in one day i would not change your most successful titles first you know i would i would test it with small videos uh to begin with and really make sure that the video doesn't die but throughout the history of youtube the only thing that seemed to really kill a video is when you change the title that seems to have changed now but just be careful sure sure good good advice so wrapping up here um are there some other things outside of that list of 10 that you might want to recommend and share that maybe some trends that you've even seen lately that maybe uh, the uh, Tube Labs community could use 
as a, maybe a stepping point or maybe even first steps in the way they approach their thumbnails? Yeah, I mean, the the thing is just really study your competition. And, and who is your competition? I would say the top 10 ranking thumbnails for the industry or term that you're going after, mm -hmm. right? right? So if uh, I'm making a video on how to set up a skateboard, I'm going to go type that in, probably an incognito window on YouTube to that way I can see the true results of who's really ranking, not just based on my uh, right. preference. Your, your history, yeah. Exactly. So then I'm going to go study and I'm going to, I'm going to really break down each of these 10 thumbnails and I'm going to say, okay, how many of these have skateboards in it? Or how many have, you know, this and that and I'm going to really break down the fundamental elements of why I think that video is clickable and great looking. And you know, wh why, you know, why do these 10 videos, what does the title look like? What does the thumbnail look like? I really just dissect it. You always want to make your own version. You don't want to copy someone else. Right. But if they have all the ingredients, the gumbo, you at least want to kind of copy some of the ingredients to make sure that, you know, it can visually look different, but you want to use what has been done. You don't always have to reinvent the wheel. Right. Good stuff, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Uh, we're going to put this list uh, that we worked off of today. You, you've had it out there uh, what, a couple of weeks now, or has it been longer than that? It's been a while, seven months, I guess. Oh, really? That long? Okay. Because it was yeah. kind of revived recently. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, okay, very good. So we'll have a, a link to that list, and um, that'll probably be in the description. And of course, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time to visit us. What, what's the best way to contact you if people want to learn more? Uh, they can go to youtube.com slash Jeremy Vest or Instagram or Twitter. Um, also vidIQ everywhere. Absolutely, vidIQ. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Tube Labs podcast is hosted at thetubeblog.com.